It's springtime, friends. Are you at your happiest and healthiest? If you're not, and if you are, to maintain, you might want to check out our healthy seasonal cooking spring webinar that Chef Val and I are hosting with a guest speaker, Carrie Loeb, which many of you might already know of. He was a past guest on Macro Magic with Michelle, and he's going to talk about the energy of spring. And the webinar is going to be all about spring health. So the main organs we're going to be talking about are the liver, the gallbladder, and the nervous system, which many of you struggling with any type of mental illness might want to tune into because a lot of mental illness stems from imbalance in our body and the blockage of the liver creates a stagnation in our energy and it often affects our mental health and our nervous system as well. There's increasingly more evidence that an imbalanced nervous system affects our mental health more and more. So the vegetables we're going to be using as the stars of our recipe are green beans, asparagus, green peas, broccoli, parsley, and dandelion greens. You might already know from other content that I've shared that the signature flavor of spring is sour. So that all the recipes are gonna have that little sour taste in them. And the whole grains we're going to focus on are barley, oats, rye, and wheat. And some of the beans we're gonna focus on are green lentils, black-eyed peas, and split peas. And what you get in this webinar is going to be a live demo of original recipes that Chef Val and I have created, nutritional information about the food, real-time interaction, and an opportunity to ask questions. Lots of questions. We love questions, girl. You'll also get a copy of the recipes being presented. Um, they'll be emailed to you before the webinar. You'll also have access to the recording if you want to go back and rewatch what we demoed. Um, and like I said, Carrie Loeb will be teaching the ancient and powerful Eastern self-massage technique to support the spring organs. This is called Doween. It directly addresses chronic health conditions such as fatigue, digestive issues, diminishing lung capacity, and more. And, and this webinar will be presented April 23rd from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And here are the recipes we're going to be presenting. So I will be presenting the first recipe. It's a zesty lemon blueberry pudding. Chef Val will then present an uplifting split pea soup with fennel. And I'll also be presenting a savory and sour whole oat porridge. 
Chef Val will then present a colorful barley asparagus greens medley with black garlic. I will be presenting spring blanched vegetables with tahini lime sauce. And finally, Chef Val will present a drink called Love Your Liver Sweet Dandelion Tea. So if you're struggling with any issues correlating with the liver, gallbladder, or nervous system, or if you're experiencing a lot of anger, all of these issues tend to come to the front during springtime, and you'll learn more about why. This is based off of the five transformations of energy. Once again, Chef Val, Carrie Loeb, and I will explain to you more what that means. But the main thing is, if you're struggling with these issues, there's help for you. And this is natural, holistic health that anybody could benefit from. And you can go to macroval.com and register now. We hope to see you there. Thank you so much for tuning back into another episode of Macro Magic with Michelle. I am your host, Michelle Williams, also known as The Freedom Fairy on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Patreon, everywhere on the internet you can find me. Today's episode is a topic that I'm really passionate about, pretty much like every topic I talk about. But it's a topic that's pretty controversial. It's been controversial for a very long time. And let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about it because this, this topic has been demonized in the past and now it's completely the opposite. People are claiming it's done wonders for their health, for their happiness. And this this podcast episode is not to negate any positive repercussions of using this plant, but it's to give a a more well-rounded idea of what this is. So we are talking today about cannabis. You might know it by the other name of marijuana. Now, I am not, I'm gonna uh, move forward in this episode referring to it as cannabis. I might accidentally say marijuana because that's the name I grew up knowing, but I think it would be a quick Google search to find out the origins of the word. Um, It is rooted in racism, so not many people know that. I didn't know that. And as a first-generation Latina in America, uh, I I can see the the issue with using that word 
but I have to be honest, I did grow up knowing cannabis as marijuana. So um, I'm, I try to be mindful about using the plant's actual name, cannabis, um, rather than the, the racist word. <laughs> so it's up to you. Um, and I might also use slang terms, pot, weed, whatever. Um, but let's get into it. So, so a lot of people today, you know, I think it's a great, great thing that cannabis is legal. I think it's a great thing that a lot of the negative stigmas have been lost around it. And I think, um, because honestly, uh, a lot of things in this world, not just cannabis, but a lot of things in this world that we demonize, I can understand why we demonize it, but at the same time, that only makes whatever we're demonizing more enticing. That's the, that's the bottom line. The more that we demonize sugar, the more that people want to eat it. I mean, I've experienced that. That's a, that's a true phenomenon, no matter what we're talking about. The more people demonize um, alcohol, the more people want to drink it. The bigger problems we're going to have with it. The more people demonize whatever food, the more people are going to have an issue with it. That's just, that's just how it is. Whereas if we approach things without judgment, meaning without saying this is good, this is bad, the easier it's going to be for all of us to have a more relaxed approach when we use it. There's not going to be as much guilt and as shame, and there's not going to be such a cycle of restriction and then binging. I know this as a recovered binge eater. I know this. I, I used to go through periods of restricting food over exercising and then periods of binging food and not exercising at all. And neither, neither extreme is, is healthy and it really plays a psychological toll on you. And I think it also, it's part of the reason why addicts of any kind have such an issue um, opening up to say they have a problem because they're being they're they have a fear of being judged. So, so I really think that this modern time of of cannabis being legal, um, more people accepting it, um, I think it's great. I honestly think it's great. But do I? encourage people to partake in this plant i've i've talked here and there for years about my feelings about cannabis my feelings about drugs in general my my feelings about alcohol and something i think is important to know i think it's important to know as a listener my background with these substances so that you get a better understanding of why I have these opinions and why I recommend what I recommend. So when I was a very young child, like many children of the 90s, I grew up with um, the program D.A.R.E. A lot of people might be familiar with it. Um, drug and alcohol 
resistance, education, okay? And I think it's, I think it's a wonderful program. I got a lot out of that program, but the funny thing is, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm the only student that went through that D.A.R.E. D.A.R.E. program and never partook in drugs or alcohol of the kind that the D.A.R.E. program was talking about. We talked about pot, we talked about alcohol, we talked about heroin, we talked about um, cocaine, you know, speed, all that stuff. We talked about all of it. Ecstasy, meth, we talked about all of it. We talked about um, what it does to our bodies, what it does to our brains. Um, we talked about situations where we might encounter, how to say no. But the thing is, it seemed as I was growing up that none of my classmates seemed to use that any of that knowledge. And as I continue to grow up in this world, I'm seeing everyone is on something. Everyone is on something. And I have a better understanding of drugs and the effects on our mental health, the effects of our physical health, and the drug, the drugs that that we were taught about in the D.A.R.E. program, it shouldn't just be limited to these recreational drugs. It should also include medication. Those are drugs. And like I said, the more that I study health and medicine and the effect that it has on us mentally and physically, there's no difference. There's no difference. And a lot of people might have an issue with that. You can have an issue with that, but that doesn't make it not true. <laughs> you can think it's not true, but it is It is true. There's no difference between medication that Rockefeller created versus drugs and alcohol that are causing people to have um, substance, substance abuse problems. And um, I'll actually talk more about that uh, in terms of medication in a different episode but there's no difference there's no difference and why I say there's no difference when we look at the energy of these medications and drugs recreational or prescribed it all falls into the category of extreme yin energy so are there slight differences I know people's you know um Certain drugs are classified as uppers. Some are classified as downers. Even strains of cannabis can produce different effects on people. But in general, all of these drugs are extreme yin. And on the spectrum of yin and yang, food and substances, medication, drugs, they're more extreme than alcohol. They're more extreme than white sugar. So... I've talked about this before, but vegans who smoke weed, take medication, drink alcohol, you are really setting yourself up for an extreme imbalance. And by taking medication, alcohol, cannabis, you are not 
setting yourself up for your ultimate health. Period. Um, so, so let's, let's talk a little bit more specifically about cannabis. So part of the, part of the issue with cannabis, like I said, it falls into the category of extreme yin. And so what is the issue with extreme yin? Yin energy is upwards and expansive. And a lot of people will agree when you smoke weed, when you ingest an edible, you feel like you're in a different state of mind. Maybe you even feel like you're out of your body. Some people um, feel in a different realm and honestly that is because you are in a different realm <laughs> that is because you are out of your body but why is that an issue because you are an earthly being you are meant to stay in your body psychological issues happen because you are not in your body. So I can definitely relate to enjoying the feeling of being in another realm of disassociating. I have a Pisces moon in, in the sixth house. I completely understand. I want to escape all the freaking time. And um, some of the healthier ways that I, that you can escape is through music, is through dance, is through TV, film, is through reading, <laughs> meditation. There's plenty of ways to escape without taking drugs. And we'll talk maybe in a minute a little bit more about that. But I can definitely relate. This world is difficult to exist in. Part of it is just that's our, our soul's assignment when we decided to come to earth and inhabit this, this earth. But part of it is also the way that our society is set up in our, in our programming, our conditioning, you know, that that's so restrictive and so filled with guilt if we don't, if we don't align with these, if we can't keep up with the demands of our modern society. And so once again, I need to remind you why it's important, why we shouldn't shame people, honestly, in whatever they choose to do, whether we agree with it or not, shame never brings the result that we want. And even if it does, it's temporary and it comes at the expense of somebody suffering internally guilt and shame, um, feeling that really intense extreme cycle of restriction and overindulgence. So, so, so when people, people use cannabis to escape, I mean, I can totally see 
how people can use cannabis to escape and have it under control. And this brings me to another, another aspect of this cannabis discussion is the fact that we've been taught that it's not addictive. Yet, there are people who feel addicted to cannabis. And no matter what your addiction is, if you feel like it's a problem, it's a problem. If you feel like you, you're out of control with something, you're using something too much to get by, to function, that's a problem. So I don't really think it's appropriate to say you can't be addicted to cannabis because I've worked personally with people who come to me and part of what they want to overcome is an addiction to cannabis. I don't think it's, it's fair for us to keep this false idea that cannabis is not an addictive substance because it's been it's been proven to me that it is and i want to let you guys in on something if you're not familiar with the AA programs the alcoholics anonymous programs the 12 step programs if you're not familiar with that in those programs, part of what they include as a substance to avoid while you're in the program is cannabis. If you're in an AA program, I'm going to say more likely than, than not, they're going to encourage you to stop the use of cannabis. And it's not just the, the, the guideline of the program, but pretty much everyone in the program will agree it's not helpful in their recovery, in, in abstaining from alcohol or any other drug that they're trying to, trying to stay away from. I know many friends, many people close to me who have been through the AA program. I know I'm lucky to know a good amount of addicts and this is, I've seen it. I've seen this is, this is the way that they are able to maintain their sobriety because it's always the friends that don't struggle with addiction or don't realize they struggle with addiction, that have no education about what it means to be an addict, that have never looked into it, been to any kind of recovery meeting, is always those friends that say, well, it's maybe how you use the cannabis, which, I mean, you can have that mentality, you're free to have that mentality, but the fact that you've never experience the cycle of addiction you've never experienced it yourself someone close to you you have basically no experience no education it's easy for you to say that it's easy for someone who's never had an eating disorder to say oh well you know it's just the you just need to do this you just need to do that it's easy 
to say that, but I'm speaking about the bigger picture here. There are friends who struggle with addiction to cannabis. There are friends who struggle with addiction to other drugs, opiates, alcohol, and anything that's a little bit in line with that state of mind, with that substance that they used to be addicted to or they're trying to overcome, that is way too close of a territory. And they just say, you know what? I just can't do that either. And listen, friends, like I said, pretty much everyone today is on something. So for the friends that are trying to live a sober life, for the friends who have never... um who have never found drugs or alcohol appealing in any way, like me, it's really hard to relate to the normal people who use drugs and alcohol pretty much daily. Whether you say you're an addict or, or not, if you see no problem with drugs or alcohol in your life, whether you're an addict or not, or you don't realize you're an addict, you know, it seems really crazy to you. How can you never drink? How can you never smoke weed? How can you never take Xanax? How can you never, you know, it sounds crazy. But the thing is, friends, this is a sign of our, of our modern problems. The fact that we have troubles with addiction, with substances. The fact that pretty much everyone is on something. To me, that's not normal. That is not normal. Our ancestors were not constantly on something. And that brings me to another thing. Yes, cannabis is medicinal. Yes, it has healing properties. But the way that it was used traditionally was nowhere near how it's used today. Friends are smoking weed daily. In traditional cultures, when they used cannabis, it was specific for a specific reason. It wasn't daily. It wasn't just to cope with life. It was for a specific purpose, for a specific reason. But today, friends are just using it to get through life. And I mean, I can understand that. I can understand that. Like I said, this world is difficult to exist in. But you know, friends, there's way more coping skills. There's way more ways to heal that are not as extreme as cannabis. Daily eating is the number one thing to support a healthy you, a healthy mind, a healthy body. So if you're not addressing that number one thing, I'm talking to you, junk food vegans, people who eat the standard American diet, but you smoke weed every day. There's a way to live without cannabis. And the fact that you're bypassing the number one step in healing, you, re you really don't need it. 
You really don't need it. None of us need it. There's so many levels to healing. I have recreated the mandala of healing, which the original version can be found in the Cancer Prevention Diet by Alex Jack and Michio Kushi. And it's basically showing the levels of healing. Like I said, the number one level is daily eating, and there's an outer layer after that. Home remedies, exercise, the next level after that, meditation, energy healing, the next level after that, you know, um, psychology, chiropractic, the next level outside of that, herbs and supplements, the next level after that, um, surgery, medication, and the last level is radiation, chemotherapy. So cannabis is an herb. It is an herb. That's a slang term that they use, but it's actually true. It's an herb. So it's probably on the fifth or sixth level of healing. So if you have not addressed your eating, your exercise, your meditation, your psychological issues, if you haven't looked into energy healing, home remedies, but yet you're smoking cannabis every day, you're bypassing so many things that can help you. You don't have to depend on cannabis. It's not necessary. And the fact that people are so, I mean, like I said, it's great that people are so open about the benefits of cannabis, about, you know, how, how it's helped them and all that. That's great. But at the same time, are there other aspects of life that that, you know, whoever's promoting it, that they've addressed? Probably not. Because if you've addressed those previous five or six layers of healing, you probably won't need cannabis. And if you do, it's going to be a lot less. So, I'll... I have, um, I have a few friends that have asked me before, do, would I recommend cannabis to anyone? I wouldn't recommend cannabis to anybody. I wouldn't recommend that. But I could see how it could benefit certain people. If you haven't had any education about all the different revolutions that happened in the 1960s. I would suggest looking into that because I think the biggest, the biggest benefit the world received from cannabis happened in the 60s. I really don't think it's necessary now. And the cannabis of past years was a lot more natural, was a lot more mild than the cannabis today that's grown in under extremely unnatural conditions. And the fact that it's being so mass produced now, there's, but yet it's legal, and this is a new, a new era of cannabis, 
there's not as much regulation of it. So cannabis today, I think, is a lot worse than cannabis in the 60s. And so why, why do I think the, the best use of cannabis happened in the 60s? Well, number one, like I said, it was better quality, more natural, more mild. But what cannabis did, as well as other, other psychedelic drugs, which a lot of people are into now, and that's a whole other, a whole other thing, um, maybe a different podcast, but the greatest benefit we received from cannabis, other psycho- psychedelic drugs, um, LSD, acid, mushrooms, all that stuff, um, happened in the 60s. Why? Because the majority of people that were taking these drugs were white people. And white people at that time, and to some extent today, but it's changing, but white people at that time in the 1960s ran the world. Basically, if you were not white, you pretty much had no say in what happened in the world, in society. So white people had all the power. Pretty much everyone was racist. There's a reason why there was such a movement for civil rights, for integration during that time, because it was so separated. And a lot of white people today, they might, you know, say, well, not all white people were like that. Pretty much every white person was like that. Pretty much even every Mexican person was like that. Pretty much everyone was racist in that time because everything was separated. And there was really no way to change that. As long as white people had their privilege, had majority rule, no one could change anything. That's why it was such an important time for for civil rights. But... So what I'm saying is that when white people started to take recreational drugs, it opened their mind. Like I said, cannabis, as well as other psychedelic drugs, and just drugs and alcohol, period, is more expansive yin energy. The energy travels up and out. So yes, your mind is going to be open. So yes, you're going to connect more with the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm, I'm not talking about the religious realm. The spiritual realm is a higher perspective that sees everyone as having value, everyone being important. So this was a time that was very important for people of color because it was such a such a huge amount of white people 
who were otherwise otherwise racist, privileged, didn't pretty much didn't care about what was happening with the minorities, didn't want to hear from them, didn't think there was any issue. Their mind was opened by these drugs. And it gave way to have greater compassion for the minorities, people of color. People of color now had white people as allies. So do I think cannabis and psychedelic drugs are bad? I mean, in this day and age, I think it's not the best idea, but I definitely see the value that they had in the past in moving our society forward and in integrating other voices, unity. We are all one. What's the message of macrobiotics? One peaceful world. So yeah, I definitely can see the value in cannabis and other psychedelic drugs. But today you can even see, you can pretty much talk to any psychiatrist and friends, if you know me, you know how I feel about psychiatrists. You know, I don't I don't think they're they're the they're the god that people struggling with mental health tend to think that they are. Psychiatrists they're just another perspective it's just another perspective. It's not the end all be all. Psychiatrists, you know, I don't see a psychiatrist as having more expertise than I do. No. And if anything, I think they have less expertise because they're basically sales salespeople, puppets for Rockefeller drugs made out of chemicals. It, I don't think it's actual science, but some some aspects of their work I think is worth considering. And this is part of it. The fact that psychiatrists know that cannabis and other drugs oftentimes trigger psychological disorders. So if all you hear today, cannabis is great, it helps you relax, it helps you with your skin, whatever they're saying, they're claiming, which again, I'm not saying it's, it's completely wrong, but it, it shouldn't be a blanket statement because some people once they take any kind of drug, it often triggers a different psychological disorder. Like I said, it's a more yin, upwards and expansive substance. So it makes sense that such extreme energy can trigger, open up, some kind of issue that previously you never struggled with. And this is part of why in macrobiotics, we encourage people to eat more in the center of the spectrum of yin and yang. Because if you eat too yin, you often struggle with your mental health. 
or if you eat extreme of yin and yang, it's a back and forth <laughs> bipolar disorder of extreme emotions, of extreme mental states. So, you know, it's not just macrobiotic, it's just not, it's not just me as a macrobiotic teacher, it's not just me as someone who's never taken drugs in that, in that capacity, who doesn't promote, who promotes a sober life, it's not just me saying cannabis has these downfalls. It's also psychiatrists who are used to treating people with psychological disorders. They have done the research and have seen the issues that cannabis can trigger. If you've never had a mental health issue and you just think, oh yeah, let me get high with my friends. It's the cool thing to do. And you get a psychological issue gets triggered. That's pretty much a lifelong issue you're going to have to deal with now. But only because you want, you wanted to do the cool thing. Go to the local weed store and buy an edible. Now you have schizophrenia. Really? Really? You think that's worth it? You think that's worth it? You think that that possibility is worth it? To me, it's not worth it. I mean, I... I could see it in my D.A.R.E. program, the fact that some drugs you could get addicted the first time that you use it. That's really worth it to you? That's worth the gamble? Now, again, I, I don't mean to sound like, you know, condescending or anything. I can understand why if someone felt so bad in their life you know, that they, they thought that would be a good way to escape. I can definitely understand. But again, the drug isn't the answer. The substance isn't the answer. Prozac isn't the answer. You need to change your life. You need to change your mindset. And it's not going to happen in one day. It's not going to happen overnight. But that's getting to the root of it. That's getting to the root of it. And from there, you can create a life where you don't need to escape, where you can cope with anything. I just recorded a podcast interview with Crystal Sun. And she talked about, she had a really empowering message about how you create your own frequency. You have that power, friends. That's something I try to remind you all the time. You have the power to change your life. So even if you're in a really bad place in your life, you have the power to change it around. Yin turns to yang. That's a, the only constant is change. The symbol of yin and yang is constantly moving, constantly changing. The five transformations of energy. Energy doesn't die, it's only transformed. You have that power. When you understand, when you have some knowledge, some influence, some guidance, you can use that to change your life. You can. There's so many people, I'm sure in your own life you can see, that person changed their life around. You can see it in me and all the guests that I have on my podcast. 
stories of people changing their life around in a holistic, sustainable way. If you try to change your life around with drugs, a medication prescribed by a doctor or recreational, you can change your life around, but it's not for the better and it's not sustainable and it's not without consequences, negative consequences. I actually have a few excerpts from some, some macrobiotic books here, um, talking a little bit more about cannabis. So um, the first book I'm gonna read from, it's called On the Greater View by Michio Kushi. And it's basically, it says, collected thoughts and ideas on macrobiotics and humanity. So I'm going to read this. It's on page 27, chapter 4. And just so you can get an idea, this book was written <clears throat> in 1985. Just to give you a little bit of perspective. And so it says here, Marijuana, Withdrawal from Wonderland. Over the past 15 years, I have given dietary recommendations to thousands of young people who wanted to stop using marijuana and similar drugs. In fact, the drug culture and the macrobiotic movement began to gain prominence in America around the same time, toward the middle and especially the end of the 1960s. Because of that coincidence, many people had the false impression that these two phenomena were similar or identical, whereas in fact, they are quite opposite. The confusion was further increased by the fact that some of the young leaders in macrobiotics at that time had formerly been smugglers and well-known drug dealers in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and New York. As I came to know these people better, I noticed that they seemed to share a common, in common, a peculiar kind of difficulty in following a macrobiotic diet. When I understood their problem, I advised the macrobiotic study houses where they were living to making particular allowance for this factor. In general, people who had formerly used large amounts of marijuana and similar drugs on a regular basis all seemed to practice the macrobiotic way of eating in a very rigid, narrow, and almost fanatical manner. They expected that such an extreme approach would lead to immediate and fantastic results, including a kind of higher consciousness. I saw that we had to emphasize a much more relaxed, common sense application of macrobiotic dietary principles in order to balance their excessively conceptual approach. The young people in question seem to consider brown rice as some sort of instant solution in the very same way they had formerly looked upon drugs. In reality, the macrobiotic way of life is nothing but a common sense tradition that involves a great deal of patience and flexibility in allowing for variations between individual constitutions, climactic factors, and social considerations. 
Rather than promoting one simplistic answer, it is oriented toward developing our innate powers of judgment so that we can welcome every difficulty as an opportunity for development. It seemed very difficult for people coming to macrobiotics from a drug culture to grasp the scope and breadth of the macrobiotic approach. As I talked to them about their previous experiences and education, I saw that they had basically two kinds of reasons for using drugs. In the first place, many were looking for a new kind of mental or spiritual insight from drugs after they had been very concerned about, then disillusioned by, the current state of our civilization. The second major reason for smoking marijuana was the need for relaxation from mental and physical tension. I sympathize with these very natural and understandable desires, but at the same time, I would recommend a sounder way to reach these goals, which can also have a deep and enduring effect on society at large. A sense of meaning, as well as a more relaxed approach to life can be gained in the most reasonable way by developing ways of life that include increasing freedom from artificial substances, methods of working, and types of thinking that characterize today's quick results civilization. The instant kind of approach generally has undesirable side effects in the long run and is not found in more traditional societies. America is thus the subject of jokes and anecdotes around the world that play off the express orientation of TV dinners, vending machines, microwave cooking, instant coffee, and so on. Ironically, the young people who use marijuana and similar substances usually say they prefer natural or traditional over artificial or modern ways, yet they continue to use drugs, which belong to this recent category of instant methods. Fortunately, over the years, I have been able to see thousands of people in America, Europe, South America, and the Far East recovering their physical, mental, and spiritual vitality and establishing a clear sense of brotherhood, sisterhood with all humanity by eliminating artificial elements in their lifestyle and diet, including hallucinogenics and returning to more sound common sense orientation. Many of them have told me stories about their former drug, drug taking and their experience, experiences exhibit the same general pattern. The immediate results of sudden relaxation and feeling of expanded consciousness are followed in the long run by growing fatigue, mental fogginess, and an inability to react with sufficient quickness to confront the normal challenges of daily life. On common sense grounds alone, this sequence is understandable as the inevitable working of the dynamic balance that underlies psychological, physiological, and all other natural phenomena. Prolonged intake of substances which have dramatically expanding, which which have such dramatically expanding effects must eventually weaken the nervous and other major systems of the body, 
More specifically, the signs of this process appear in the seven main areas. Number one, dulling of the automatic nervous function. Initially, marijuana activates both the parasympathetic and the orthosympathetic nervous systems. However, continual extreme stimulation of this sort tends to leave the parasympathetic nervous system less sensitive with the resulting loss of quickness and accuracy in adapting to the physical environment. As motor coordination is impaired, accidents become more frequent. Declining sensitivity. Number two, the sudden increase of sensitivity that smokers of marijuana experience results from its chemically, chemical ability to expand cells which have grown abnormally hard and rigid from the heavy consumption of animal fats that characterizes the contemporary American diet. However, prolonged repetition of this expansive action in itself leads to another form of insensitivity as the cells of the nervous system becomes, become semi-permanently expanded and thus lose their natural reactive powers. Number three, loss of clarity. Marijuana affects the inner area of the brain, especially the midbrain, rather than the surrounding cerebral cortex. In its anatomical structure, as well as in the circuits of the electromagnetic current, which flow through it carrying information, the brain consists of several orb orbits arranged in a continuous spiral. The midbrain, which is located at the central terminus of these orbits, may be compared to a computer gathering information from the entire nervous system in the form of stimuli. It then relays information outward to appropriate parts of the body in the form of various responses such as speech, decisions to act, etc. In order for this key function to operate well, the innermost orbit of the nervous system, which is situated at the midbrain, must be tightly coiled and highly energized with its cells compact. The habitual expansion produced by the chemical actions of marijuana and similar mind-expanding drugs has a damaging effect on mental clarity over a period of time, although the initial impression may be one of relaxation and heightened clarity. Number four, weakening of internal organs. In terms of yin, expansion, and yang, contraction, certain of our internal organs rely primarily on contraction for their normal activity and others depend more on relaxation, relaxation, like the midbrain whose functioning is impaired by the expansive tendency of marijuana. The major relatively yank organs tend to be weakened by marijuana and similar drugs. They include the spleen, pancreas, heart, lungs, liver, and kidneys. Which of these are affected to a noticeable extent depends on a number of individual considerations, including constitution, previous illnesses, former diet, and so on. 
Number five, decline in sexual vitality. At first, marijuana may heighten sexual sensitivity. However, its continued use creates imbalances in the quantity and quality of hormonal secretions, such as testosterone from abnormal stimulation of the adrenal, gonadal, and pituitary glands. This imbalance in the hormone system, when combined with general weakening of the nervous system, leads to de debility and irregular functioning of the reproductive system. Number six, degeneration of red blood cell quality. Marijuana and similar drugs tend to destroy the intestinal flora, which are essential, which are essential for smooth absorption of food into the bloodstream. The liver, spleen, and bone marrow involved in the continued regeneration of blood cells are adversely affected by prolonged use of marijuana. Therefore, people who already suffer from mild forms of illnesses associated with lower blood quality, such as leukemia, diabetes, asthma, and various skin diseases, tend to experience a worsening of their condition after prolonged use of marijuana. Number seven, psychological and social impairment. These various manifestations of lessened physical and mental vitality combine to impede the individual and social development of people burdened with them. They are increasingly unable to strive for the realization of their ideals or life dreams and start to prefer only the more sensory, sentimental, and temporary pleasures or comforts. They become less able to renew and maintain their solidarity with others, solidarity with others in relationships that require long-term commitments, such as communication with parents or various forms of common intellectual endeavors. The burgeoning intake of yin expansive substances such as marijuana, LSD, and cocaine, as well as many legal drugs, including amphetamines, tranquilizers, and numerous other medications, is understandable as a natural response to the accelerated consumption of animal products in the form of meat and especially dairy food, such as eggs and cheese, all of which have a generally yang, contractive effect on our physiology. The current unparalleled use of drugs in America is an unconscious attempt to make balance for the equally unprecedented dietary pattern of modern civilization, which over the past 50 years has substituted meat and dairy for whole grains as the staple food. Instead of oatmeal porridge, corn muffins, buckwheat pancakes, whole wheat bread, or similar traditional forms of cereal grain, a typical modern breakfast, for example, often consists of ham or bacon and even two or three eggs, which the other daily meals correspondingly high in animal food. Animal food can be useful on rare occasions for certain forms of concentrated physical labor, especially in a northern climate with very cold weather. However, on a daily basis, it is excessive in our temperate climate, 
for the sedentary activity that most Americans engage in. Therefore, the breakfast, bacon, and eggs must be balanced by extremely yin items such as coffee, orange juice, from the tropics, and refined, chemicalized cereals highly flavored with white sugar. The rise in consumption of sugar, citrus fruit, and soft drinks is in fact complementary to our steadily increasing intake of animal products as animal food forms a larger and larger part of our modern diet with spectacular recent rises in the use of milk products, particularly cheese. The yin factors in sugar, fruit juices, and even alcohol become inadequate to balance this overwhelming accumulation of yang intake. And the only substances powerful enough to compensate are the increasingly popular drugs, whether illicit or prescription. Countries which do not consume animal products to the extent that characterizes America's present way of eating also are free of serious drug problems. In fact, foreigners coming from those parts of the world have a spontaneous adverse reaction to marijuana with symptoms of dizziness, vomiting, heart palpitations, and feelings of panic. Furthermore, Americans who have changed their diet from the prevalent modern one to more traditional macrobiotic way and who have formerly felt the need to smoke marijuana or use similar drugs gradually lose extreme desires. The natural disappearance of interest in drugs does not occur among the so-called new age lacto-vegetarians or ovo-vegetarians since their intake of dairy food perpetuates the need for extremely young, strong yin, not only in the form of honey and supplements such as vitamin C pills, but also the occasional use of marijuana. Just as consumption of sugar, alcoholic beverages, and finally drugs is complementary to the rising intake of animal products, the modern superstition that we should take vitamin supplements is a response to the recent practice of refining foods to the point where they are deprived of many vitamins, minerals, and other essential factors. This pattern of interfering unnecessarily with nature and then turning to even more artificial practices is an attempt to remedy the damage, typifies the wastefulness of modern approaches. It ignores the complementarity that unifies all natural phenomena into organic wholes by attempting to bypass that basic common sense principle of balance, we continuously, continually endanger the environment, the, the economy, and our own health. The latest swing from one compensatory extreme to the other is the fad of ginseng among users of marijuana and vitamin supplements. The popular notion that ginseng is a healthful product, which Oriental people took regularly for vitality and longevity, longevity is completely false. Actually, only a minute percentage of people in the Far East use ginseng, and even then only once or twice in their lives as an emergency medication. I would advise against the current practice of using ginseng on an almost daily basis. 
since it can result in a constriction of the heart with serious effects on the circulatory system. Ginseng is an extremely yang, contractive substance because it is the root of a very cold, resistant plant that grows in northern climates. In this sense, it is the extreme pole of complementarity from marijuana, which contains very yin, expansive factors due to its origin in the leaves of a fast-growing tropical plant. Root and leaf, alkaline and acid, slow and fast rates of growth, northern and southern origin, all offer clues to the yang, contractive, and yin, expansive tendencies, which complement each other in nature as a whole. I'm going to stop here and continue in a minute. Continuing on. Intuitively aware of this balancing principle, traditional doctors would give ginseng for an overly yin condition and marijuana for an excessively yang condition on very rare occasions. People who have been weakened by continual use of extremely yin substances such as marijuana are understandably prone to accept the myth that ginseng that the ginseng they naturally feel attracted to was part of daily life in the Orient. Equally mistaken is the popular notion that native peoples in tropical countries such as India, Peru, and central parts of Africa used marijuana or similar substances on a regular basis. In fact, only a few tribes used marijuana. And when they did, it was only as medication or on a rare ceremonial occasions. The popularity of myths about the understandable, about the regular use of marijuana and hallucinogens among native citizens is understandable. It merely reflects the irresistible craving people feel for extreme laxants after they have consumed animal products in excess over a period of many years. The attraction between yin and yang is as in, in, inevitable as our desire to drink liquids after we have eaten very salty food. Therefore, it is not a phenomenon to be judged moralistically or criminalized by legislation. Since the increasing use of marijuana and other expansive drugs, both illicit and prescription, is a biological phenomenon. I do not favor the approach which tries to control that pattern through legal punishments or moral repercussions or, or moral persuasions. Such efforts are bound to be useless since they ignore the underlying cause, which is physiological. At different times in modern history, attempts have been made to outlaw on moral grounds various types of behavior whose real cause is biological practices such as homosexual activity, drinking alcohol, performing abortions, etc. All such laws prove impossible to enforce because wherever artificial impositions appear in human society, 
because wherever artificial impositions appear in human society, they inevitably evoke widespread opposition. Part of our human dignity involves learning through experience and observation how to take responsibility for our own lives, including our health as individuals. Each family is also responsible for the health and happiness of its members. The appearance of laws such as prohibition of alcohol consumption or criminalization of marijuana smoking in modern society is a sign that education has been defective and the place where it naturally starts, the home. In order to receive, to reverse the present trend toward increasing drug use, the following three methods are available. Number one, education on the effects of drug use can be emphasized through public media, government information offices, religious organizations, schools, and most important, the home. This approach would be effective in many cases, especially if developed in the setting of a family where the parents can serve as examples for living in a healthy way. Society can leave, number two, society can leave the decision on marijuana use up to the discretion of the individual. In this way, some people will discover from their own experience that marijuana smoking is harmful to their health and will give it up. Others will not try it because they can observe its unhealthy effects on those who use it. A third class will use it and unable to realize that it is causing a decline in their health will continue to the point of completely losing their ability to cope with daily life. The method is the one, this method is the one actually being used at present as laws prove to be unenforceable. It is the advantage of letting all people exercise their freedom and take responsibility for their destiny, although it has the disadvantage that some end miserably. Number three, the third approach, which I would recommend, is a biological one, eliminating the need for marijuana and other drugs by substantially reducing the present levels of animal food consumption. A widespread change in dietary patterns along the lines, along these lines, would, of course, have, a, have major repercussions on our economy. However, such a direction has already been suggested by the Senate Select Subcommittee on Nutrition and Human Needs in its 1977 report, Dietary Goals, in the context of reducing various chronic diseases and the potential economic dislocations could be provided for by careful long-term planning. This third psychological method also involves some psychological pitfalls, however, which should be clarified. In my observation, many people who formerly took large amounts of drugs develop an overwhelming craving for whole grains once they begin to eat these traditional foods. They seem to have a very strong sensation that they have finally discovered the true, truly nourishing food which they, have, which they had actually been searching for in vain during their years of mental and physical confusion 
while taking drugs. Therefore, they have a sometimes dangerous tendency to limit their diet within extremely narrow bounds, regardless of its alarming effects on their physical and mental vitality. They will follow a very rigid diet for a long period of time, eating 80%, 90%, or even 100% whole grains, brown rice, buckwheat, millet, barley, rye, corn, whole wheat, etc., with very little or no vegetables or other types of foods. Since their excretory, digestive, and nervous system have been damaged through their former abuse of drugs, they tend to develop the following serious symptoms while adhering to such a narrow diet. Anemia, extreme loss of weight, low vitality, a psychological tendency to be overly conceptual in their manner of thinking, stubbornness, narrow-mindedness, and exclusivity to the degree bordering on fanaticism. Therefore, I would recommend that anyone who has taken many drugs in the past and who wishes to change his or her diet toward a more traditional orientation do so in a very gradual and moderate way. Specifically, I would suggest the following guidelines. Whole grains should account for 40 to 60% of food intake by cooked volume and should be prepared in a variety of styles casseroles, breads, pancakes, noodles, porridge, muffins, crackers, etc. Vegetables should account for 20 to 30% of food intake, cooked in a variety of styles with a small portion served raw in the form of salads and pickles. Beans should account for approximately 10% of the intake, cooked in a variety of styles, including traditional fermented soy products such as tempeh, miso, and soy sauce to further the reestablishment and normal growth of beneficial intestinal flora. Cooked sea vegetables should account for approximately 5% of intake. Because of their high mineral content, they are particularly useful in restoring those parts of the nervous system damaged by drugs. Fish and seafood, fruit, nuts, and seeds should account for roughly another 5% of intake, varying with individual needs and times of year. More fruit in summer than in winter, and a dinner of fish as often as once or even twice a week in winter. This fifth class of foods is particularly recommended for older people. Liquids may be consumed as freely as desired, although stimulants such as coffee and alcoholic beverages should be minimized. All food should be chewed very well and some form of sensible physical activity should be practiced every day. These general suggestions, if, if followed in a common sense manner with minor variations upon occasion, will lead to restoration of the damage done by drug abuse and will not produce any serious reactions. The effects of taking marijuana and similar potent drugs do not, however, disappear overnight. In my observation, the following timetable generally applies. So I'm going to just 
use my words to let you know about this timetable. On one side, it says duration of smoking marijuana once a week or more. And on the other side, it says period to recover from the effects. So if you've been smoking once a week or more for one to four weeks, it'll take four months to recover from the effects. If you've been smoking marijuana once or more, one to three months, it'll take one year to recover from the effects. If you've been smoking mar marijuana once a week or more for four to six months, two years to recover. Six months of smoking marijuana once a week or more, um, six months to a year, it'll take three years to recover. One to two years of smoking marijuana once a week or more, it'll take four to five years. Three to five years of smoking marijuana once a week or more, it'll take six to seven years to recover. So on and so forth. Until the period of recovery is complete, all of the foods listed in the suggested guidelines should be included on a regular basis with, with the percentage of grains not rising much above 60% or falling below 40% for any considerable length of time. Other foods may be increased according to personal desires. For example, sea vegetables may be 10% instead of 5%, or beans may be 15% instead of 10%. After the recovery period is over, the percentage of grains may, of course, be increased with very beneficial results, but not until then. The common mistake of former drug users who adopt a macrobiotic diet is to seek quick results by eating a very high percentage of grains. The body may begin to eliminate its stored toxins through the skin since the urinary system has not yet regained its full functioning. These abnormal discharges of mucus or pus appear in the form of boils or small tumor-like growths, usually on the extremities, particularly the legs and hands. These painful discharges will sometimes dry up and disappear in a short time but when they appear in several places at the same time, they may become infected, developing serious inflammation. Here, at the very first appearance of such discharges, the percentage of vegetables, fruits, and or fish should be increased, and the percentage of grains decreased in order to slow down the rate of toxin elimination. During the period of recovery from drug use, Improvement is gradual, but may be interrupted by transitory, occasional reappearance of symptoms associated with the former period when the individual was taking drugs. These minor relapses include the following. Occasional experience of a strange or disturbing dream at night. Uncanny or weird visual and auditory impressions, unaccountability, poor judgment, or inaccurate decisions, overexcitement or depression, hypersensitivity, general anxiety or feelings of cowardice, laziness or sloppiness, irregularity in writing or speaking, chaotic expression, lack of responsibility, and laxness in human relationships, frequent changes of mind and difficulty 
thinking clearly. Fatigue, low resistance to cold weather or infection, slow rate of wound healing, loss of sexual appetite or ability, stiffness, problems with balance, and others. Which of these symptoms will appear depends on the formal medical history of each individual, but none is the cause for serious concern since they generally disappear of themselves as the healing process proceeds. However, one rather serious psychological problem tends to afflict a large percentage of people who have formerly taken drugs to any large extent. Until the period of recovery has been completed, people who have taken drugs have a tendency to wander about aimlessly from one spiritual practice to another, one group of friends to a new set, one job to the next, in a continual erratic shifting of allegiance. This flightiness, ultimately caused by a general decline in our native powers of judgment, often is manifested in an extreme gullibility towards some of the more shallow religious, psychological, and technological belief systems that abound in modern society. Debility of the central nervous system at the root of this problem is caused not only by marijuana, smoking of course, but the overall intake of strong chemicals such as medications, which pervade modern life. Faced with the modern onslaught of crisis, the growing proportion of the population whose powers of judgment have been weakened through the effects of drug use shuffle endlessly from one doctor to doctor, guru to guru, expert to expert, seminar to seminar, and never think of thinking for themselves at all. Fortunately, this shopping mentality can give way to a more grounded intelligence with a natural immunity to shallow proposals that hold out the promise of miraculous results in record time, as the intuitive power of the nervous system is gradually restored through following a more traditional diet and lifestyle. Although the general decline of public health is accelerating, it comprises a steadily growing number of people throughout the country who are reorienting their lives in the direction of a sound and traditional yet dynamic balance. The development, development of this general movement depends on our deepening appreciation and understanding of the unifying principle, which creates the natural order in all phenomena, phenomena through the fundamental law of balance, a.k.a. yin and yang. Viewed in those terms, even the present degeneration of society can be seen as the reverse side to an emerging movement toward the full recovery of our health, freedom, and happiness. The purpose of that biological revolution is the complete restoration of everyone's native, intuitive, and essential human strengths. These include a sense of wonder at all phenomena in, its perpet in this perpetually changing universe, trust in each other, and capacity for friendship, genuine creativity and inventiveness, keen sensitivity to the beauty of nature, grati gratitude for our physical and spiritual ancestors, and an endless aspiration. 
That invincible aspiration like the phoenix can never die. It continually emerges from its ashes, for it is one with the law of change and only and the only constant in this relative world. Through the constant alter, alternation of balance, opposite, balanced opposites, everything spirals both inward and outward in a geometric orderliness that, out, that grows endless, endlessly towards greater harmony. I love that passage. I love that passage so much. Every time I read it, I gain something new. Friends, that is the, the essential macrobiotic perspective. It's pretty much everything I already mentioned. And, and just adding a little bit more to it, friends that enjoyed my series about Sampaku, pretty much all those effects that Michio described, um, people who smoke marijuana or take other drugs, both prescribed or not, that goes in line with what I shared with you in my Sampaku series about yin Sampaku. It affects your inner brain. And this is why it's not a superstition. It affects your physical balance. And from there, it also affects, like Michio described, your other organs, your other systems, your ability to judge. So many things, friends. So, um... I mean, like I said in, in my Sampaku series, pretty much everyone is Sampaku today. And if you are somebody who is more yin Sampaku and you're somebody who's taking drugs, whether prescribed or not, I mean, like I mentioned earlier in this podcast, you're creating a more difficult cycle of living for yourself by continuously taking these drugs and medications. Period. But it is possible to turn things around, but that's up to you. That's up to you. Do you want to do that? You know, it's possible. It's really possible. I'm here to help you. Um, like I said, I've, I've helped a lot of addicts, um, alcoholics, people who wanted to stop using marijuana, some people who take uh, medication. I've helped them through macrobiotics. So if you are wanting more tailored guidance, go to my Etsy shop. Um, we can do a meal planning your best life session. And you can also join my Patreon where it's a, it's a school. It's a learning community where you can learn little by little more about macrobiotics, more about how to manage your own health um, and create a inner, inner guidance as Micho described in this passage. Um, and there's another book that talked a little bit about marijuana as well. Um, and this book is called Macrobiotics for Dummies. And it's by one of my teachers, Vern Verona. And, um, and he, I think Vern Verona is worth checking out. He includes a lot of different things, um, like supplements, vitamins um, for different conditions. Um, just because Michio said in his other pas passage that I just read that vitamins and supplements are not necessary, you know, um, but there may be a short time where you might need them. And I've, I've experienced that myself 
Um, Vern really talks talks a lot about that. Um, and I'm going to find the section where he talks about marijuana. Because I think it's worth um, considering multiple perspectives.
Okay. Page 166. Alcohol and recreational drugs. Excessive alcohol intake can harm the body's immune system in several ways. First, it produces a general nutritional deficiency that deprives the body of valuable immune-boosting nutrients. Second, alcohol, like sugar, consumed in excess reduces the ability of white blood cells to kill germs. Large amounts of alcohol suppresses, suppress the ability of white blood cells to kill germs. Large amounts of alcohol su suppress the ability of white blood cells Marijuana is the most frequently used illegal drug in the world today. Uh, sorry, let me tell you what year was this public published? It was published in 2009. So at that time, marijuana was still illegal. Um, and its effects on immunity are well known to researchers. Marijuana depresses the immune system's ability to protect itself against invading bacteria, viruses, chemicals, foreign particles, parasites, fungal microorganisms, and infections. It also decreases the body's ability to prevent the growth of cancer cells. Some study, studies suggest that THC, the main psychoactive substance found in the cannabis plant, has a general immunosuppressive effect. On a, ver on a variety of immune cells, particularly those in the lungs. So that is what Vern Verona has to say on cannabis. Now, with this pandemic, there has been a lot of stuff coming about, coming out about cannabis and immune system and everything like that. There's many factors to consider. A lot of the benefits that they're saying of cannabis is actually the hemp plant, the seeds of it. So the seeds of hemp, that's fine. That's fine. It's a seed, it has plenty of nutritional value, it's not gonna make you high. But when it comes to CBD, smoking cannabis itself, eating it itself. I mean, there's many factors to consider. I wouldn't just, like anything else, I wouldn't just hear one video, hey, this is gonna boost your immune system. This is gonna cure blah, blah, blah. Who is it gonna cure? Under what conditions is it gonna cure? You have to consider, just like in that passage I read from Michio Kushi, the person's constitution. Where do they live? What health conditions were they struggling with prior? It, one size does not fit all. And as a macrobiotic teacher, macrobiotic counselor, I wouldn't suggest that. I wouldn't suggest cannabis. I wouldn't suggest CBD. I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't suggest it. So, um, you have to do some more research. And if you're, if you're someone who actively uses those products and experience benefits from it, 
I mean, that's great for you, but also you have to know there's these other things at play. And once again, if you're not focusing on the more primal areas of your health, taking cannabis, taking CBD is not any better than taking medication. It's not. It's not. It's honestly along the same lines. Yes, it's it's more natural. So if I had to suggest, you know, Rockefeller medication versus nature's medication, of course that I would I would I would encourage the natural way, but it's still using that same kind of thinking like Michio said, a quick fix. Let me just take this pill. Let me take this quick herb. Meanwhile, you ignore the bigger factors that are more sustainable and create actual health. Covering it up, covering up your symptoms by smoking pot every day, that's not creating health. It's not. And if and if you and if you use it to escape your life, to escape your reality, it's not changing anything. It's just taking you out of your reality for a temporary time. Meanwhile, expanding your internal organs, expanding your internal brain, leaving you weaker each time. So you can work to stop your dependence on cannabis and also change your lifestyle so that you don't feel the need to escape. You can make changes within your relationships. If you need to to set boundaries, readjust, cut people off. If you need to go to therapy and work through your problems or psychological conditioning, if you need to self-reflect, you can do that. But just by taking cannabis, it's not doing you any favors besides the temporary relief. And like I said, you can, you can escape through other ways that aren't going to leave your midbrain weakened, that aren't going to take a toll on your physical and mental health. Music art, dance, movies, meditation, all these things are Neptunian. They take you out into a a different world, a different dimension, but at the same time, it's not going to affect your mental and physical health in a negative way like cannabis would. So that is pretty much everything I wanted to share with you guys today about cannabis. I I have some other things planned in the future. This is not the last thing you're going to hear about it, but I hope you got a better understanding of what this plant is, that it's not it's not as amazing as people as it's popularized today. You know, it's neither something to be demonized, neither something to be put on a pedestal. It's just another option available to you, just like any medica- any number of medications out there, just like healing with food is available out there. There's so many things that can help you. And if you're struggling with cannabis, that's a very valid thing to struggle with. I recognize it. If you need any kind of help, like I said, feel free to reach out. Go to my Etsy shop, schedule a meal planning your best life session with me. I can help you on the food side of it to help you decrease those cravings for substances. And we can also talk about some other lifestyle factors. 
and or you can also join my Patreon where we where I teach more about how to create a generally more sustainable healthy life that doesn't create a need for escape and doesn't need doesn't create a need for extreme substances and once again I don't want you to feel like there's a need to be shame shameful if if you want to do what you want to do I love everyone listening no matter what you choose to do I just think that there's a huge imbalance of information when it comes to cannabis right now. I think there always has been. And I think the macrobiotic perspective is a really good perspective <laughs> to look at a lot of things in life. Nothing is good or bad. It depends on many different factors. But our world today tends to view things. This is great. This is bad. In cannabis, at one point, it was horrible. You went to jail for using it, for selling it. And today, it's basically an unregulated med medicine. And people are abusing it just as they're abusing opiates, just as they're abusing psychiatric medication, just as they're abusing alcohol, just as they're abusing so many other things. So it's not without consequence. It's not without negative effects. There's real serious negative effects and no one's talking about it. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is made possible in part by the patrons over on patreon.com slash the underscore freedom underscore fairy where you can also sign up and become a supporter video versions of macro magic with michelle podcast are available for you to view on youtube on my youtube channel the freedom fairy you can follow me on tiktok and instagram at the underscore freedom underscore fairy you can also join my facebook group sacred space for sensitive women if you like what i have to share please rate five stars and subscribe to this podcast think differently and live peacefully this podcast is made possible in part by the patrons over on patreon.com slash the underscore freedom underscore fairy where you can also sign up and become a supporter video versions of macro magic with michelle podcast are available for you to view on youtube on my youtube channel the freedom fairy you can follow me on tiktok and instagram at the underscore freedom underscore fairy you can also join my facebook group sacred space for sensitive women if you like what i have to share please rate five stars and subscribe to this podcast think differently and live peacefully